Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. This is uh, day three of California reopened. It reopened on Tuesday, as did New York. Lots of other places around the country. I'm watching the basketball. Everybody's out there in the whole stadium packed, no masks. Dodger Stadium had 52,000 people. No masks crammed together. Why am I still working the open mic at Cedar sinai That's what I want to know. What... Maybe this is. Uh, we have one more show after this before our July break. Okay, maybe when we get back, I think we could have the full crowd. In the meantime, America is. Yes, it's over. Come on. I know pandemics are fun, but you got to give it up at some point. <laughs> People want to live again. Nightclubs are open. Strip clubs are offering bonuses to get women to come <laughs> do the stripping. <sighs> I'm, I'm not making that. Look, people just want to catch something that makes it burn when they pee. That's... <laughs> Boy. Speaking of burning, half of this country is burning. There's like 125 in places. This is like almost your dead weather. <laughs> we are getting hot here. It's, 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 it's that hot in some places where you, you don't even have an appetite. You know, that kind of hot? I, I was at dinner with a bunch of liberal Democrats the other night. Nobody even touched their baby. <laughs> they were just... <laughs> oh. They were just... <laughs> just pushing it around on the plate, you know? They just... <laughs> More lemonade, please. Well... <laughs> Liberals were one and one at the Supreme Court this week. They won a big one. Obamacare was uh, upheld. This is the third. This is the third time it has survived an attempt to kill it. It's the 50 cent of progressive legislation. (laughs) But (laughs) on the other side of the ledger, the court sided with the Catholic Church Big surprise, most of the court's Catholics. Uh, They sided with the church, who believe it is their right not to work with gay parents to help adopt children. Uh, Church says their position has always been very plain. If children want to be around gay adults, they can become altar boys. (laughs) Oh, I kid the church, always with love. And, of course, the big, <laughs> the big uh, international news, we finally had our summit with Putin and Biden. They met in Geneva, Switzerland. Did you see that this week? They, Switzerland. 
They wanted it to be in Switzerland. They needed some place that doesn't pick a side between the U.S. and Russia, and Mar-a-Lago was booked. <laughs> but, uh, you know... <laughs> it was good to see the American president siding with America. That was a change. And uh, it was... You know, and also, these summits, you never know what really is said in the room, as it should be. But the pictures, it's like the tabloids. The pictures tell the story. They can bullshit whatever they want. You look at the pictures, you can tell this was tense. You saw that picture of Putin and Biden. They look like the married couple who had a fight in the car on the way over. (laughs) And then, of course, they all have a press conference afterwards. Putin, I mean, imagine negotiating with this guy. This is what Putin said. I'm not making this up. He said, there is no happiness in life, only a mirage of it on the horizon. (laughs) which I was going to jump all over, and then I remembered that was the theme of this year's Oscars. So, (laughs) who am I to talk? There is no happiness. Just mirage on the horizon. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely guy. Anyway, um... So, anyway, Putin... uh, Biden gets back. Uh, The the Republicans, while he was overseas, were very respectful. I'm kidding, of course. They shit all over everything. They always forget their own rule about the president being overseas. He gets back. 13 House Republicans (laughs) signed a letter today demanding that Biden take a cognitive fitness test. (laughs) Biden, yes. He, ooh, he imagines he's president because he got the most votes. They want to know his IQ. IQ. IQ is what Marjorie Taylor Greene says when you ask her, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) IQ. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, that little rump bunch of Republicans are very upset this week because tomorrow is Juneteenth. Joe Biden's... You can applaud that. No? We don't vote Juneteenth? Yes. We're making it a holiday. Biden's... Biden signed a bill, this is what these Republicans are mad at, making Juneteenth, which is, of course, the celebration of the end of slavery, a federal holiday. And, of course, being... (laughs) It went better in rehearsal. They were right on the... the... No. I don't do a rehearsal, obviously. Um, But it's... (laughs) Being... The very newest of our holidays, white people, I must say, are very confused. Do we barbecue? Is there a mattress sale? <laughs> what is the right time to start drinking? Uh, uh, two, wouldn't it be uh, for this? I... And here's my favorite story of the week. It came out that uh, DC Comics, uh, big fan, you know me, <laughs> love the superhero stuff. No. <laughs> Remember when they wanted to kill me over the Stan Lee thing? Okay. But DC Comics cut a scene in an upcoming HBO Max animated series with Batman in it where Batman performs oral sex on Catwoman. (laughs) Wait, well... Well, don't get excited. You're not going to see it. That's the whole point of the story. DC Comics told the producers, get this, they told the producers, heroes don't do that. (laughs) Uh, 
I don't know. If you do it in my house, you're a hero. That's, uh, but... <laughs> but also, my favorite part of this, they also said, we can't have show that because it would hurt toy sales. And Catwoman had a great response. She said, you know what? If you'd let Batman eat me, I wouldn't need toys. <laughs> All right, we got a great show. We got Paul McGowan and Jane Houston. But first up, she's a comedian who hosts the Nikki Glaser podcast and the HBO Max reality series out this summer, F-Boy Island. Nikki Glaser is over here. Hello. Hi, Bill. How you doing? Good, thanks. All right. Hilarious show so far. Thank you. So I, good. I guess, so we're still distanced? Is that going to change? Because, you know, you look healthy. I'm, I, I, I had the vaccine and the disease. I, 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 I couldn't give it to you if I wanted to. How was it? Did you get do, any Nothing. loss of smell? No. Uh, yes, for a couple of days a lot. That's that was, pretty good here in L.A. to have with the homeless issue. It's good if you fart. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, listen, I wanted to have a comedian here right now, and you're one of my favorites, because... Tonight is the eve of when I go back on tour. I haven't been out there. Yeah, this is a... I'm... Uh, How long has it been? March, it was February of 2020. It's the last time I've done stand-up. Trump was president. I have to write a whole new act. I mean, I'm, it, was, it was good. I love it. I love it. I'm, I can't wait. I mean, I'm nervous like I haven't been since I was 23. I know. Well, that's exciting, right? So exciting. Are you, have you been doing shows? I mean, I was doing them during the pandemic when it would, when I convinced myself it was safe enough to do. Where? And I would go to these clubs that were, you know, half capacity. Club. And I would perform with a mask, which is so hard to do. Oh. And I would have fans on the stage blowing the COVID back at the audience. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I really did. I had them. and um, But then I quit doing them because I just felt like the crowds that were coming out for those shows were anti-maskers who aren't my, like, the people that enjoy me. And I feel as comfortable performing in front of. So now I'm excited to go back out on the road and Wow. Everyone feels more comfortable, yeah. Isn't that sad that there's an ideological component even to that, that you... So that was not your crowd. I just felt it, you know? Like, it, the people that were, like, rearing and ready to go and laugh, like, yeah. ready to laugh in September of last year were not people I... Uh, we have share a lot of common But thoughts. that's why I love the... That's why I love doing the Red States, because they are more ready to laugh and yeah. not go, mm, that's not politically correct. And okay. you are not politically correct. Yes. I mean, you're the roast lady. Yeah. I mean, that's why I first saw you and fell no. in love with you, because you are so hysterical well, on those roasts. Am I right? Thanks. So, I mean, yes, going back out there is so... I'm so happy about it, but also it carries stress because of this age we live in, right? Yeah. So I want to ask you about that, because are you afraid of... That, do you have stress about, well, I want to riff and be the funniest I can be, but I don't want to get canceled? I, I was really scared of getting canceled for a while. And then uh, COVID hit and I moved back home with my parents for 10 months. And I realized, like, if I get, I've been canceled. Like, that's getting canceled. So I, if you cancel me, it's, I live the life that I would have lived had shit hit the fan. And it's but not that bad. It was kind of great. But you, but you knew it was going to end. You, if I it did. was for the rest of your life, back right. in the no, no, no. room I, with the Star Trek wallpaper? I, <laughs> it, I got out of there eventually, and yes, it, I, do, I don't fear being canceled anymore because I can't live in that state of fear because 
I just good. know at my core I'm a good person and I'm not racist or, or I try not to be racist. I try my best to not hurt people, but I, I just know that. So if I get canceled, I'll just right. be, I'll be at peace with myself and I'll, I'm accountable. I don't mind apologizing. But if, if you're doing a roast for... I don't. Uh, if I... If, I don't have a problem being like... If I see someone get up during my show, because right now I'm doing, um, I'm doing like a... I'm working on this like molest, molestation chunk, which... Is the but it's I can I can do those jokes because I wasn't molested so I like don't care but like I uh, <laughs> it's like I can right. talk about that more freely because I don't have a lot of uh, trauma around right. it that I remember right like I, who knows it could have happened I'm in therapy now to dig it out let's find it it would explain a lot but uh, I'm serious but I, but it is well, weird going there because. I right. see people, sometimes I see people get up and go, you know what, I don't want to hear this because obviously something I'm saying is triggering them in a way that's making them have a panic attack. And I, I, I think about that and I go, okay, that one person is uncomfortable, but the information that I'm putting out there by talking about it is more important, I think. Even though I'm joking about it, it's still addressing it and it's uh, talking about how it's a yeah, big issue and everyone's and been it, molested. Besides me. Then, then why apologize? I will I mean, apologize to that person if they write me and they go, listen, I went to your show wanting to have a good time and I ended up in the bathroom hyperventilating and crying. You know and what? I would say, listen, I, I'm sorry you feel that way. Like, the sorry you feel that way, but I deeply answer. I don't want to cause it. I don't like to offend people. It's really not fun no, for but, me. Okay, I don't want to get eaten by a shark, but I go in the ocean. Right. You know, I mean, if you're going to watch, you're a known commodity now. If, if, but if a shark bit me, I'm not kidding you, Bill. Like, if I got attacked by a shark... And I punched it in the face, and they, they killed the shark in retaliation. I would feel bad. I would want to find that shark and be like, well, I know you were just being you. Listen. Like, you were just doing Like, I'm sorry. I would punch it, but I would feel bad okay. that it felt bad. Okay. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because you're on the, what a perfect segue. You're on my Hawaiian tour this yeah. year. Yeah. We're doing New Year's Eve together in Hawaii. Yeah, so with exciting. Christopher Kid Reed. It's going to be an amazing show. I can't. And you're going to be in the ocean. Don't punch the shark. Okay, don't. It doesn't work. Yeah. You're not going to kill the shark with a punch to the nose. That's an old wives' tale? Of course. It's going to fucking eat you. No, it bites you, and then it realizes you're not supposed to wear sparkly jewelry or have your period in it. But that's... (laughs) But all those might be wives' tales. I don't know. All right. We'll, we'll figure you, out. You punch it, I'm going to run away. <laughs> and then you have to pee on my shark you, bite. You, no, that's just jellyfish. You with the shark. That's jellyfish. All right. So, I forget what we were talking about. Well, we were talking about getting canceled. I oh, mean, yes. I just don't fear. I just don't care. I, I can't. I can't. Uh, be, oh, I know. Fear. Please don't apologize, though, because Why? there's too much apologizing in America. We're going to talk. I love apologies. I love it. You think? No, so no, no, long. no. I love right. apologizing. It feels so good when you mean it. I don't mean empty apologies. I mean when someone really is like, I didn't even consider that someone could feel that way. Like having empathy of like, well, oh, that sucks that I made you feel that way. But there's always going to be somebody. We, we are organizing this country around what the most offended people, yeah. the easily, most easily offended people will react to. Yeah. So... Doesn't mean I shouldn't oh. be able to say it. Just don't go to my show if that's if if you are someone who is right. Like if, like if I'm don't if watch I'm... me. Exactly. Oh, good. They're coming around to me. <laughs> but it's... so, do you do do you do colleges? I do. I mean, I'll still do them, even though I know they're when when comics don't want to do colleges. I kind of call bullshit on that because I don't think it's about the fact that they're all woke and they're going to be groaning. 
they're always like that. They just don't know how to react at comedy shows. They're kids. They don't know how to like laugh out loud and be at a comedy. They're bad crowds. But I also, I don't want to do, it's easy to go, I don't want to do colleges anymore when you're like Jerry Seinfeld because I wouldn't want to fly into Syracuse and then drive four hours through cornfields to go to a student activities center and wait backstage and go to Applebee's. It's like, colleges are the worst. That, They're the worst for so many other reasons. Right, well, like, I, uh, I that, that's not how Jerry does them. But, uh, <laughs> but it's not just Jerry. I mean, yes, Jerry and Chris Rock and a lot of people said, but Pete Davidson, he's not even 30. Yeah. He, he said he won't do them. He said, you're just setting yourself up. For, for what? For someone to be upset and then yes, not to book you again at a school that won't book you I mean, for four years anyway? Because, I, the, the, okay. you know, like, I feel like when, if I, because I've done colleges where they've written into the paper and said, Oh my God! Oh, one of the headlines after I performed was Nikki Glaser leaves uh, leaves ga- mouths gaping or like pe- leaves gapers, and I was like, I talked about gaping, but like it was <laughs> like, like people were gaping, and I was like, well, I did discuss that, but it was a whole. That's thing of, like, what's great about comedy; it yes. makes you gape. Yes, exactly. And that's what we don't want to lose. I mean, do, aren't you worried that roasts will go away in this? No, I think no? that's a protected space. I did fear that, really? but I think that that is just okay. so... We know the rules. Everyone knows ahead of time what this is going to be. But well, I will hear. say that roast jokes, sometimes they've taken my roast jokes and they've made, like, an Instagram... Like, they've right. written it out, and I come across it on my... And I'm like, the written version of that looks... Pr- like, what it says, yes. Blake Griffin looks like a black guy that was made by a printer running out of ink. That in written <laughs> word, not in a roast setting, out of right. context, looks like... I was yeah. like, yikes, You're, you're going to get canceled okay. just from this appearance. <laughs> so I don't, you're not going to have to worry about this. Um, well, good. I'm glad. Some people have a way to get away with it, and I think you do, and I, I just hope you lean into that. Thank you. I just, and, and yeah. I mean, come on. You I too. saw you host the MTV reality. I mean, you had some really... On the edge stuff there, which yeah. I was thrilled I, about. Snooky heckled me. You're, you're now, <laughs> yeah, right. They cut it. They cut it, but she heckled me, and I just go, no, Snooky, no, not here. No, <laughs> well, Snooky is the shark you don't want to punch in the nose. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but your new show, which is on <laughs> HBO Max, is that it? Our, our, yeah. our yeah. sister network or whatever yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. Fuckboy Island. Well, I guess it's called F-Boy Island. F-Boy but it's, Island, okay. yeah. So, I, first of all, you know I'm a big fan of Temptation yeah, Island. I've talked about that. I'm so glad you... I know. So, I can't wait that. to see... But, but the premise of Fuckboy Island is that there's three women and 12 guys who are nice guys and 12 guys who are fuckboys? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And no one knows who... Not even me. Okay. Like, who's who? I am, I am offended at this. Yeah. Good. Because... <laughs> You know, a nice guy, I mean, a fuckboy can become a nice guy. And a nice guy, if you're lucky, can become a fuckboy. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. And R- maybe we see that oh. take place. Like, oh, I, I, I agree. I fall for fuck F-boys uh, consistently. And, I, and it's because I believe that I can change them. And right. I... It, it and what is your record yet. of doing that? Uh, I, never. It's never worked. <laughs> and I never lose hope. <laughs> Because it will happen someday. Someday, All right. I will remind a man enough of his mother that he'll fall in love with me. <laughs> All right. Well, America has already fallen in love with you, <laughs> and I'll see you in Hawaii. I'll see you there, though. On the 30th of December. All right. Thank you, Nikki. Let's meet our panel. Hello. Hello. Okay. 
Here they are. Oh. He is a Democratic strategist and CNN political commentator, one of my favorites of each, Paul Begala's over here. And she is the host of the New York Times podcast, The Argument. Jane Coaston is over here for the first time. Thank you for coming by. Absolutely. Okay. So, you guys, listen to this. (laughs) There's a new Republican talking point. You're going to love it. You know the uh, little attack they had on the Capitol on January 6th? Okay, now it's the FBI who did it. Right. I mean, I was, I was here a couple of weeks ago making fun of the fact that they, they were saying just a few weeks ago it was liberals dressed up as them. Okay, I guess that's out now. Tucker Carlson's pushing it. It's the FBI. And I know how this goes. You know, he talks about it for a day. Now the My Pillow guy's going to, like, tweet it out. <laughs> and then before the month is out, Dinesh D'Souza will have a documentary, <laughs> Biden's FBI and the Death of Liberty. And, you know... Trump will be like, people are saying it's the FBI. (laughs) So I guess we're back to being at war with our own security forces. You know, I see that the Capitol Police were given, voted gold medals for doing that that day, for defending the Capitol. And 21 Republicans, yeah, would not vote for that. For what, the police? What what is happening where we're... And one Republican, a, a freshman congressman from Georgia, Republican refused to shake the hand of Officer Mike Minoni of the Washington, D.C. Police Department, who had helped save the Capitol. Refused to even shake his hand. It's weird how this is becoming... This has been retconned multiple times, and there have been multiple versions. It's kind of like... It's like a weird, complicated musical where there are three different versions of the same story and everyone just keeps running through them. (laughs) Like, first, it wasn't that bad. Then it was, well, it was Antifa. But now it's like, oh, it's the FBI. And then you see this weird Mott and Bailey argument where they're like, well, the FBI has infiltrated these groups. And then Tucker Carlson went with, like, the FBI did it, which it would be bad. So, but, you know, we know that these Capitol Police, these very brave people were only about a minute ahead of the mob. And this is a mob with a bloodlust. We know this. They smeared feces on Pelosi's office walls. When you're, when you're communicating in feces, that's my rule, <laughs> you are at a level where, of, where you're not really rationally thinking. So, you know, we know that we're talking about hang Mike Pence. Would they have stopped? My question to you. What if they were a minute ahead of the police instead of behind? What if they got to Mike Pence? What if they actually had hanged him? Where would we be today? What would Republicans be saying today? Somehow, some way, Democrats would be worse. In some way, <laughs> yeah, somehow... you're right. ...they would have found Or they way. did it. Or, yeah, they did it, or it wasn't that bad, or there was whatever was needed. Because it's interesting also how this is somehow becoming Joe Biden's fault despite the fact that January 6th and January 20th are two different days. Right. But this is, the Republican Party exists right. as an oppositional force. Right. So clearly there would be a need to make this a story about actually this is, you know, economic anxiety, and this really wasn't that bad. And wasn't Mike <laughs> Pence kind of irritating anyway? <laughs> so we're putting out... Um... The the Biden administration uh, unveiled this national strategy for counting domestic terrorism. We are finally acknowledging this shift from, I would say, that goes back to 9-11, certainly, where we were most worried about, and for rightly good reasons for a long time, foreign terrorism. That is really not the case anymore. Since 2015, right-wing extremists, 
have been involved in 267 plots, 91 fatalities. From the left, they count 66 incidents and only 19 deaths. So we're losing this battle badly. Uh, but, yeah, it's not foreigners. It's pissed-off Americans that are the problem now. And so Merrick Garland made a statement. He said, uh, we are focused on violence, not on ideology. We do not prosecute, prosecute people for their beliefs. There's a switch, a welcome switch. We do not prosecute people for their beliefs, because the last guy sure did. Right. And you remember after, after 9-11 a lot of right-wingers were saying, we should do racial profiling. We should target Muslims. We should target Arabs. Well, the Anti-Defamation League says uh, two years ago, 90% of extremist-related murders were committed by, in America by right-wingers. Last year, 94%. And in those two years, zero committed by Islamists. So, like, I'm trying to tell my right-wing friends, it's no longer... I'm no longer worried about al-Qaeda. I'm worried about y'all-Qaeda. <laughs> Well, Al-Qaeda is still out there. They are. I would not forget about them completely. We've spent a trillion dollars and 20 years going after them. And, and, you know... Did it wrong and overreacted. Right. But but that that is now a much more uh, diminished threat because of the work we've done. I think that that's, in some ways, curious, because I think that one of the things that's challenging is that under federal law, domestic terror is not a federal crime. But the crimes you result in committing are crimes. So, for example, 34 states in D.C. have laws against terrorism. Those are state laws. But, like, if you blow up a building, it's illegal to blow up a building. It doesn't make, like, terrorism, how we think about this, a lot of times is determined by what the federal government decides to be terrorism. Mm -hmm. And historically, the federal government has been like, we heard you wanted to go after domestic extremism, so we went after these people who are animal rights activists instead. (laughs) Or, like... You know, you saw the FBI labeling people like, oh, we're going after the real extremists, black identity extremists. And so I think this is a moment, I mean, we were just talking about the FBI getting involved in these. And a lot of these plots break down because everybody talks about their plots on the Internet, which is why you shouldn't talk about your plots on the Internet. But, like, (laughs) this does raise a lot of concerns for privacy. Because, like, it's not... Fortunately, it is not illegal to think terrible things and to no. even be a member of a white nationalist or white separatist or separatist organization. And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't you be. You cannot have you thought poli- crimes. You can't police this. No. And I, I, I get concerned occasionally that liberals are like, hell yeah, let's police Ex- this. And, they, and I'm like, no, you, should, yes. you can't do this. Right. Please don't. No, that's playing with fire on the other side. I mean, these people are definitely playing with fire because, the, I mean, the Republicans are embracing a sort of a proto paramilitary group in America. I mean, they're the people who kidnapped or wanted to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, I mean, they went on... They're in court now. This was a real plot to kidnap a governor because Trump had tweeted out, liberate Michigan. And this is what happens with borderlines. They take it seriously. The Wolverine Watchmen, that's the name of their group. Very clever. Um... (laughs) And they said they were uh, seeking to storm the Michigan Capitol, and they sought a civil war. They, they seek this. You know, they, they're right. They pretend that Antifa and Black Lives Matter are the equivalent of these kind of militia groups, who we used to make fun of. I mean, I used to do the jokes about them. They were playing in the woods. They were in camo. It was a big eye roll. They're not an eye roll anymore. They're a real threat. And 
Black Lives Matter and Antifa, yes, they pretend that they're their equivalent, but they know that when the Civil War comes that they're really looking forward to, Antifa is no match for them. Well, they're well, better armed. They're, a lot of them, ex-military. They, they're going to well, win that one if it comes down to a shooting. Again, they do have a habit of doing all of their planning on the Internet and talking about it. <laughs> like, if you go through... That's our ace in the hole, huh? If you go through some of these charging documents... If you go through some of these charging documents... I live in D.C., and I, I was there in January 6th, and it was very weird and very strange. But you see people who are like taking a selfie after, like, breaking right. a window in the Capitol. Maybe. And then they're like, how could you possibly know it was me? And I'm right. like, look, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on! But, but a, a guy also bragged about it on a dating site. Yes. And got... Like, <laughs> got we're not dealing with the most supreme white people here. You, like, just... <laughs> but right. stupid and dangerous Very often true. go together. It's true. And that's, like, obviously... They, and that's the challenge here, is that, like... We know that this can go terribly wrong, and right. we've seen it happen before. We saw it with Oklahoma City, which before then you saw that with Ruby Ridge and Waco and a host of other events. And the concern here is that how the FBI and how security agencies do basically everything, which is to spend a lot of money, overemphasize invasions of privacy, and bumble along, is going to get us into a disaster. So let me ask about the other crime issue, which is street crime, which is going on in a, a very big way right now. 49% of the people say it's a very big problem. It, homicides, their largest single-year increase since 1960. And the New York mayoral race, which the primary is Tuesday, whoever wins that's going to be the mayor of New York. That is the big issue. And the leading candidate, this is fairly new, Eric Adams. Um, I'm just learning about him. African-American, ex-cop, ex-Republican. And I love this, strapped all the time. This guy goes to church with a gun. <laughs> and he's got the issue. Crime. You know, it may be big blue New York, but they're worried about it. And he is the one who was... When they were all zigging, he was zagging. He's like, defund the police? No. And he's right. He, he talks about how opposition to defunding the police, opposition to it, wins across everything. Race, ideology, age. So my question is, for the Democrats who are pandering to that, who is it for? It's who for, are you getting? It's for 15% of the party who are the over-educated, over-caffeinated, over-opinionated, pain-in-the-ass <laughs> white liberals on Twitter. And right. I guess we got to have them. But I, I checked in with the, the pollsters, Democratic pollsters, at Garen Hart Yang. They say in Democratic-dominated cities, crime has now passed education and housing affordability as the number one issue. So smart Democrats are listening to that. Val Demings, a former police chief, is a congresswoman from Florida. She's announced right. that she's running for Senate. In her announcement, she talks about having been a police chief. Um, you're seeing that more and more around the country. Here in L.A., Joe Buscayano is a former cop running for mayor. I don't know how he's going to do. But more and more you're seeing that. Democrats have got to get on the offense on this because it's real. You know, uh, uh, Jeff Bezos is not going to get mugged. It's the, the people who are in my party who suffer the most when crime goes up. Right. But I think that that's something, in some ways... What you heard from people and what you've heard from, I would say, middle-class African-American communities for years is that you have simultaneous over-policing and under-policing. Right. If you look at, say, homicide clearance rates in a lot of major cities, Honolulu, there's a 25% homicide clearance rate. That means in one out of four cases, a homicide case is closed. That doesn't necessarily mean solved. It just means closed. Like, 
What exactly are homicide police in Honolulu doing? Who knows? Who could say? But I think that that's the thing here, <laughs> is that when you heard... When I heard people talking about defunding the police, I heard it in the way of, like, wow, this restaurant sucks. We do not want this restaurant to keep being like this restaurant anymore. Right. And so... It was a poor choice of words. I think that there's also a sensibility, like... <laughs> if they just like, reforming would have right. been better. And I think that there's also but, a sense that, like... Look, among the people who was doing the biggest defunding of police in 2019 and 2020 was Donald Trump by trying to pull money from so-called sanctuary cities. And so I think that there's a real issue. I think that Eric Adams, and I think that there are a lot of people on the left who are left of him that are really concerned about this, but if you can thread the needle of, like, right. when I call the police, someone should come, and yes. the police should not sit outside my apartment waiting for something to happen so that they can bust me on something right. and then know that they can violate my rights and receive qualified immunity in court because the Supreme Court made it up. I think that's a needle that people are going to be into. Yes, they are. This defund the police thing, though, it's not just unfortunate. It's like all world. They should give the Nobel Prize for stupidity for whoever came up with that because you're right, Jane. The only political party that's defunded the police, <clears throat> at least in Congress, are the Republicans. Not only Mr. Trump... Every single Republican in Congress voted against Joe Biden's $350 billion aid to cities and states. A great portion of that goes to the police. So if I'm a Democrat running, I would say, no, you want to defund the police and you won't defend the police when those rioters attack them. Um, and by the way, we do need to de-escalate the violence. Why not? Some of the Democrats are talking about this in Washington. There's all these grant programs. There's a burn grant, cops grant. Cities get. Make those funds contingent on you training your cops in de-escalation so that they don't choke out a man like Eric Garner for selling loose cigarettes, for God's sake. Also, so there's selling a lot of loose cigarettes shouldn't be a crime. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no. right. That's the over-policing. Right. Yeah. I used to sell loose joints. <laughs> um, I did. All right, so Democrats are very frustrated with this guy, Joe Manchin. Uh, you've heard this name a lot this year, because they're 50-50. This, the Senate is 50-50. There he is. And he's from West Virginia... And he's a Democrat, but he's in a state that is the Trumpiest state in the nation. 69% of voters in West Virginia went for Donald Trump. So we thought this would be a great week to do 24 things you didn't know about Joe Manchin, because this is one of our signature things that we completely made up on our own here. Okay, for example, uh, Joe Manchin. I'm a Democrat, except on matters of policy. Uh, when liberals call me a cocksucker... I say, it's pronounced Coke. Uh, to avoid being branded an elitist, I black out two of my teeth. I always root for the overdog. Uh, Lindsey Graham once accused me of being a closeted Republican. I once actually peed on a parade. Uh, before stopping a coyote from attacking a child, I like to hear the coyote out. And I wish people would stop saying I really want to be a Republican. I don't. But I wouldn't mind being invited to one of Matt Gates's parties. So there's... That is the... Uh, that is the standard liberal way to look at Joe Manchin. But there is another way. I know you, of all people, are going to have something to say about that. Am I right? Yeah, Joe's... A, first, he's a friend of mine. He's a real Democrat. And 
liberals should love him because he's an endangered species. They should, like, build him a safe nest. My party hasn't because won he's because he represents a state with 55 right. counties, because he's not a, one of which has voted for a Democrat in 12 years right. in presidential he's election. He's a Democrat who won in a state full of rural white voters, right. which they don't have anymore, Democrats, mostly. He, he was a secretary of state before that. He has a real commitment to voting rights. He has a good record as secretary of state, and he's trying to put forward a proposal that can actually pass. And I, I think he's onto something. I, think he's, I don't think he's ever going to get 60. He's not going to get 10 Republicans. But he's going to die trying. And then there will be, I think, a, an irrefutable case for reforming the filibuster and passing real voting rights without the Republicans. Right. I think that's the process we go through. Um, yeah, I mean, the Democrats have a guy who votes with them half the time. And if he wasn't there, they'd have a guy who voted... Like 80%. None you know, of the in, time. in baseball, this wins against replacement, war. Right. right. How would your team do with the average second baseman rather than okay. the one you have? Joe Manchin has the highest wins against replacement of anybody in American politics. You like I him. said, he's a great guy. <laughs> Get the bit. <laughs> so, well, let me ask you about... You're not from... Are you from Texas? Where are you? I am from Texas. Texas, right. I knew you weren't from New Jersey. <laughs> Texas... Okay, <laughs> this place is going a little nuts. The, the governor's going to build his own border wall... Uh, they're passing an abortion law six weeks. Six weeks is before most women even know that they're pregnant. You can have an abortion as long as you don't know you need one. <laughs> the, the governor says he's going to arrest people who come to the border, you know, who are trying to, trying to get in. He's going to do this. Uh, and yet, they're losing Latino voters in Texas. McAllen, Texas is 85% Latino, and it just went voted for a Republican mayor. Biden underperformed hugely in those border counties in the 2020 election. What do you make of what's going on there? Uh, I, I am from there, and I, I talked to a lot of people down there after the election, Republicans and Democrats. And in that border area, the most Democratic area in Texas, we lost like 50 points. Counties that Hillary won by 50 or 60, Joe won by one or two. And what they told me was this. Um, this is the poorest place in America. The only way out is to work in fracking, or work in the border patrol, or work in the police. And you guys seem to be against all of that. <laughs> um, I, I think Democrats, though, should get on the offense. This governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, can't keep the lights on. Uh, I have a friend whose aunt froze to death during that storm in February. He can't keep the power going. And so we, we can't have a smart grid, but we're going to have a stupid wall. That's not going to save anybody's life when the power goes out. And I think Democrats ought to put him on trial for that. Yeah. I, Politically. Politically. <laughs> I also think, like... We see a lot of, like, stupid positional signaling. You see that with the Ohio Republican primary to replace Rob Portman. You see that in Texas. Of You have a lieutenant governor who's in the midst of legal problems that seem to go back a long way. Uh, attorney general, not the lieutenant attorney, governor. Sorry oh, oh, the attorney, the attorney general. general's that's under much, indictment for fraud. That's much better. Yeah. You know, you always think <laughs> like when your attorney general's under indictment. That feels good. <laughs> but, like, you see that this is, the, this is a positioning fight. It's the kind of thing that's like, this is going to do so well on Twitter. And you see that across the Republican Party, of having moments and places where it's like, this is going to look great. Am I going to deal with the fact that the power grid can't handle it when it's cold and can't handle it when it's hot? Absolutely not. But am I going to pass a bill that AOC is going to retweet and then Ted Cruz is going to retweet that and then everyone's going to have a dumb fight on the Internet? Absolutely. Right. right. And I'm, I'm reading these. Survey of Latino voters in battleground states. 80% think the public schools are failing. 63% percent 
agree free market capitalism is the best form of government. 67% think Americans are losing traditional values. 66% agree cancel culture has gotten too far out of hand. And I, I was reading also about Lin-Manuel Miranda this week. He of Hamilton fame and, you know, won a Pulitzer Prize for it. He's got a new musical, The Heights, which is about Washington Heights. I know that neighborhood. My father parked in it every day of his life, going to New York, coming over from New Jersey, and then taking the subway down to Midtown. And um, he wrote the music and lyrics. He's, his parents are Puerto Rican, came to this country from Puerto Rico. Um, the book is by someone who's half Puerto Rican. It got 96% Rotten Tomatoes. People loved it. Great reviews, for which he has apologized profusely. Why? Well, there's Latinx performers, one black lead, but no Afro-Latinx. The committee that makes note of everyone's skin tone discovered this, and then Lin-Manuel Miranda had to say, I'm truly sorry, I'm learning from the feedback, I thank you for raising it, and I'm listening. I promise to do better in my future projects. This is what I was talking about with Nikki. Please, stop the apologizing. You're the guy who made the Founding Fathers black and Hispanic. I don't think you have to apologize to Twitter. For fuck's sake. This is why people hate Democrats. It's cringy. Well, they, they can't seem to distinguish between an oversight and an outrage. Okay? And let me help them. If, as, a, as a white boy, I had to look this up because it's not my lived experience. But if you're a, a black woman giving birth, you're four times more likely to die in childbirth than a white woman. If you're a black kid, you're two and a half times more likely to be shot by a cop than a white kid. Uh, if you happen to survive all that, you make less money, you have less wealth, oh, and you die sooner. Those are outrages, and liberals ought to be focused on that, not right. the casting choices of, uh, I think, a heroic guy who's making a film about a minority community. Right. I mean, nothing is ever... I also think, though, that, like, this is one of those moments in which I kind of want to be like, wait, who's mad? Like, do we need to have a... We need to have a dartboard that identifies, like, who is mad at who? Like, maybe, like, with a little chart or something like that? Because I do think that these are those moments of kind of individualistic therapeutic deism where it's like, well, we're not going to deal with black maternal mortality... But if we get an apology from Lin-Manuel Miranda, we might feel better. But you won't feel better because nothing will have changed. We'll do this all again forever, as we've been doing this all again forever. Like, I remember in the early 90s, people were mad about Spike Lee movies. And we've been mad about things forever because being mad is a... We can... It's an irreplaceable resource. We will never stop being mad about things. But I think that it's time to recognize, like, sometimes when people are mad on the Internet, you need to identify who is mad. Do they vote? Do they have power? Do they have the power to vote on things that could change these real lived experiences of communities of color? And if they don't, you're just kind of like, meh. But, but what's different... Uh, yeah. Well, what, what's different is, yes, people used to get mad. People didn't used to grovel and apologize like this for it. I think that's different with social media. I mean, I didn't read the criticisms of this because I don't think they're worthy to read. I just read that was his reaction. Obviously, he felt it was important enough for him to make this apology. Do I think he really thinks he should apologize? I don't. 
He just wants to avoid the news cycle. I don't blame him. You know, I understand this. But at some point, people are going to have to stand up to these bullies because that's what it is. It's just bullying. It's I can make you crawl like a dog, and I enjoy it. I mean, he's a Latino making a Latino movie with a Latino cast. Not good enough. Nothing is ever good enough for these people. They're like children. We don't raise our children right, and it's reflected in the media. No one ever tells their children, shut the fuck up, (laughs) sit down, listen to your elders, stop bitching. Well, there's a simple answer for for Lynn and everyone else. Go, Go on Twitter, and to paraphrase George W. Bush, turn on the off button. Joe Biden is president because he never got on Twitter in his life. And most of his advisors were not on Twitter. And they didn't pay attention to those people. I I talked to almost every candidate when they were running in the Democratic Party. And I can tell you, when they thought of their target voter in the primaries, they were thinking of an assistant professor of aromatherapy candle making at Iowa State. (laughs) Okay? And I would say to them, no, it's a church lady in Orangeburg, South Carolina. That's the heart of your party. (laughs) Biden knew that. He didn't need me to tell him. Right. That's why he won, because he didn't listen to those people, because he didn't have a Twitter button. All right. Thank you. You were great. New rules now, everybody. New rules. Okay, new rules. Someone has to tell the far-right anti-government militia group who call themselves the three percenters, you sound like a low-fat milk. (laughs) It's confusing. When people say you're intolerant, I can't tell if they mean you're racist or that you might cause mild to severe bloating and cramps. Neural, now that the European Union has recommended letting American tourists come back, they have to ask themselves, why? (laughs) Wasn't it nicer without us waddling around your cathedrals and our crocs? Your streets are narrow, and we're not. It's not a good fit. You want obnoxious tourists with money who won't complain that everything's too small? Try the Chinese. Well, if you're doing a concert and your band hasn't had a hit since the 80s and you say, this next song is from our new album, you can't look hurt when we go to the bathroom. (laughs) For one, your fans are older and now (laughs) they have to go to the bathroom too. And two, what's an album? You can honor your husband for being a good father on Father's Day and get him a tie, but you can't make the joke that you didn't know what he really wanted. He wanted a blowjob. <laughs> what he got was a brightly colored silk arrow pointing to where it didn't happen. Someone must tell Hong Kong that their new anti-drug campaign that features the phrase YOLO is stupid. (laughs) Surely, Hong Kong, you must know that YOLO stands for you only live once, which is what people say when they want to do drugs. (laughs) People don't say cocaine. No, thanks, YOLO. 
They say cocaine? Fuck it, YOLO. <laughs> and... And finally, new rule, you can't call it a drought if it happens all the time. In a story I'm getting tired of reporting, California is running out of water, and this time, just when we started showering again. <laughs> 19,000 acres of forest have already burned this year, and 72% of the entire West is in severe drought. Turns out hot girl summer is for reals. <laughs> <laughs> The Bay Area was just placed under a water shortage emergency with mandatory restrictions. Except here's the thing. There isn't, even with the drought, really, a water shortage problem. It's more a where-the-water-is-going problem. California agriculture accounts for 80% of our water use, even though California agriculture is less than 2% of our economy. We actually have enough water. We just give way too much of it to farmers who get their water subsidized by the government because we still act like it's 1890 and farmers are small and independent when they're really mostly part of big ag. (laughs) Old McDonald is now EIEIO Incorporated. And corporations get what they want in America. We have spent the last two decades in perpetual drought here, yet almond farmers in California have doubled in that time. Despite the fact that almond production alone uses more water than all the humans and businesses in San Francisco and Los Angeles combined, even on days when your teenage son spends two hours showering. (laughs) But... (laughs) Look at this chart of how much water it takes to grow different crops. Oranges, tomatoes, strawberries, all take about 11 gallons to make one pound. Almonds, 1,900 gallons. That wasn't a problem back when it rained. But now there simply isn't enough water to go around, and we have to make a painful choice, getting it to the people or getting it in the nuts. And listen, I, <laughs> I, I don't have some personal vendetta against almonds. They're just not more important than the entire ecosystem of California. So when I hear that our state grows 81% of the whole world's almonds, the world's thirstiest crop, while our reservoirs run dry and giant fires burn out of control, I have a few questions, starting with what the fuck. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is life and death, and almonds are just not crucial. No one has a T-shirt that says, don't talk to me till I had my almonds. <laughs> They're fine in salads or in a gift basket for someone you don't really care about. And an almond joy is nice to have, but it's really just a mounds bar with tits. <laughs> there were... <laughs> There will still be almonds in the world, even if they're not grown in places that never get rain. 
If we can direct coal miners in West Virginia to another line of work because coal is killing us, we should be able to tell almond farmers, you can't grow almonds where they don't grow anymore. You're bogarting the water. And... Because, <laughs> you know, it's not like California doesn't know how to regulate. Oh, the... Uh, Oh, they know. They know. We are the most regulated state in the nation with more than 395,000 regulatory restrictions. It is a constant nightmare of inspectors and permits and fees. In this state, if you get to your car 10 seconds after the parking meter expires, it's already gone and you'll never see it again. (laughs) California has rules about every nitpicky thing you can imagine. If you don't believe me, try parking in Santa Monica. (laughs) Or starting a business. Or getting your solar power hooked up. (laughs) You can't fly a kite in a park in Beverly Hills or ride a bicycle, or climb a tree. But for 30 years, Nestle took water out of the San Bernardino National Forest under a permit that expired in 1988. And Coca-Cola is somehow allowed to take water from municipal water supplies, stick it in bottles, and sell it back to the taxpayers who own the water to begin with. 395,000 regulations, but somehow that slipped through the cracks? For a state that just loves to be up everybody's ass all the time, water management might be a better place to direct that instinct. I mean, where is the heavy hand of government when you need it? Californians can live without nuts. Just ask Caitlyn Jenner. But... (laughs) But not water. (laughs) California to stop thinking about how to get water on almonds and start thinking about how to get it on fires. It's basic logic that the more water we don't waste by giving it to Nestle or using it to grow trail mix, the more we will have for the important stuff. China would probably figure it out how to install a sprinkler system in the fire-prone areas, and they do it in 10 days. I wish we lived still in an era where the water flowed like water. I like green lawns and big fountains, and while I don't play golf, I always like golf courses because they keep douchey white people off the street. (laughs) But... (laughs) But global warming isn't in the future. It happened. And now I want government to deal with it. When it comes to regulations, either go big or go home or I'm going to find a new home. Because my house is one gender reveal party away from burning down while I'm asleep. (laughs) California, I love you. I've been here a long time. I was a booster for you when it wasn't fashionable. I don't want to go. But I'm not going to breathe ash for the rest of my life. You make me very happy, California. But I can be happy without you. 
Thank you very much. That's our show. I'll be at the ACL Live at the Moody Theater in Austin, August 1st, at the Pabst Theater in Milwaukee, August 14th, and the Ryman in Nashville, August 15th. I want to thank Paul Begala, Joan Coaston, and Nikki Glazer. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week. Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10, or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.